This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Always glad to have this guy back. He's an FCC commissioner. It is Brendan Carr. Brendan, good to see you again. How are you? I'm doing great. Good to see you, Joe. Yeah, you know, I wanted to have you on, and I thank God that you're so vocal about what's right versus what's not right. There's a lot of misinformation, disinformation that's put out there in social media. Um, one can argue that's okay. It's free speech. You can lie if you want. It's not against the law, really. Um, but But the way that social media alleged platforms, they're really publishers, the way that they're handling this information, the way they're, they're having relationships with the government, and we know that's, that's the case here with Biden, um, it, it raises a lot of questions. So let's just start from where I think a lot of people are confused. Um, I, in a very short form, Brendan, have said, and, and, and I think you and I have talked about it, Section 230 basically says if you're going to be a platform that is unbiased, doesn't lean one way or the other, you'll have the protection, you'll have immunity from liability if somebody posts something on your platform that, that is dangerous or threatening or libelous or slanderous. Um, and the, those who run the platforms won't really have hell to pay or any responsibility because they're, they're just the plate that you put stuff on. D- do I have that right? That's very close. I mean, Section 230 obviously is very much in the news. It will continue to be in the news. And so it's a portion of the law that a lot of people have heard about, but they don't quite know how it works. Here's the way that I argue that it is. There's a portion of Section 230 that says if someone else puts speech up on your website just the way that you were saying, and it happens to be libelous or there's some uh, tortious claim related to that speech, then it's the person who said it, if anybody, that's liable not the website that hosted it. And that portion of 230, I think, is a very good thing because that is a pro-speech provision. It, it encourages people to host content and it encourages people not to censor because you're not going to be liable for what someone else says. The right. problem is there's a second portion of Section 230 that says if you decide to moderate or take speech down, you can do so not only within the confines of your First Amendment right, however those are defined, but with these special Section 230 rights. So what that means is Section 230, that portion of it, operates as a thumb on the scale in favor of censorship. And that's not a good thing. At the end of the day, when Congress passed Section 230 in a very different Internet age, part of the purpose was to empower people to make their own content moderation decisions. And what we've seen instead is that decision-making has centralized in Silicon Valley. They pick and choose what you see. We've lost one of the core purposes of 230, which is to give people tools to make their own decisions about who to follow, what speech they believe, and what speech they don't. That's what we need to get back to. What's interesting about what you just said, as a layperson, I hear hear the first part of Section 230, then I hear the second part, and they sound like they're at odds. Um, uh, if, If, in fact, I can't hold Twitter or Facebook liable for something horrible, somebody writes, Joe Pags is a murderer. 
And uh, I can go after the person who wrote it. I can't go after the platform that allowed it because Section 230 gives them that immunity. But the second part says they can censor as they see fit. So I thought they had to promise a lack of bias. And certainly, I thought going in, and maybe I was naive about this, but I thought going in that these platforms would not work in conjunction as government agencies. Once they become government agencies, that changes the game, doesn't it? Yeah, there's a separate point there. I mean, right now under 230, as it operates, you can be biased or not biased. Uh, and you get the same protections. And I think that's part of something we have to look at in reforms. But what you addressed there in the second point is a second interesting issue, which is to say we're increasingly seeing information and emails through FOIA and otherwise that government officials inside the administration are doing what we call jawboning. There's there's actually a First Amendment Supreme Court doctrine called jawboning, which is this. When you as the government are encouraging a private entity to do your censorship for you, then you effectively make that entity an arm of the government for First Amendment purposes. So if Twitter decides to censor you know, content they don't like on their own, that's not a great thing. But if the federal government is telling you, I don't like this Twitter account, you should take action on it, then that falls within the jawboning line of Supreme Court precedent, which means it's a violation of the First Amendment at that point for Twitter to shut someone down when doing so at the direction of the federal government. And we're just seeing, I think, the tip of the iceberg with how much communication and pressure has been taking place from the government to censor. So I think we need more information to come out about these emails. Congress can look at doing some oversight here. This is a really interesting area to plumb the depths of. He's an FCC commissioner. It's Brendan Carr. Go and follow him at Brendan Carr FCC over on uh, on Twitter. Are you on any, any of the new ones, Getter or, Trump or Truth or any of that? You know, I think I've opened up an account, either Brendan Carr FCC or Brendan Carr USA, on different social media, so okay. you, can, you can look for some of the other ones there, too. We'll, we'll look for you, for sure. So that brings uh, brings to light a couple of questions, and there are two cases I want to bring up with you, and I want to ask you if, if you think that they're legal or illegal as per the Constitution. Number one, Jen Psaki said the quiet thing out loud when she was the press secretary. She said, if somebody is banned from one social media site, we believe the other social media site should also ban them, and we're having conversations with Silicon Valley to see that that happens. That, to me, said, we are working in conjunction hand in hand with all the social media giants, all these behemoths to say, if Pags gets banned on Instagram, he should also be banned on Twitter, on Facebook, on fill in the blank, a social media site that in and of itself was just what you just said, right? That's the central government working hand in hand as a partner with social media. Yeah. The question there is, does it fall within that jawboning line of precedent? There's cases, for instance, where a private entity took out a billboard and some government official didn't like the billboard, and so they pressured the private company, a separate one that actually put the billboard up, to take it down. And that was a classic case where the court said, you know, government, you can't do that. That's a violation of the First Amendment right of the person that wanted that billboard. Even though the government wasn't involved in actually taking the billboard down, it put pressure. Separately, though, I just don't think government officials should be in the business of encouraging censorship. So one thing that I've talked about is we have a Hatch Act, which means I'm bound by the Hatch Act, so I can't engage in partisan political speech, really, or activities. And I think we need something like the Hatch Act for censorship, which is to say government officials should not be you know, using their official letterhead or their speeches or their words to encourage censorship. I think yes. it goes counter to what we want, which is robust debate, because at the end of the day, debate is how we solve problems. Even if there's a bad idea, 
let's air the bad idea. Let's talk about it. And maybe it will help us identify the right idea or come up with a better way of approaching a problem. Interesting. It's uh, it's Brendan Carr. He's an FCC commissioner. Let me ask you about the case of Parler, which I'm sure we've talked about before. Parler was a website that worked very, very well. I had I have almost 400,000 followers on there. If I posted something, people reacted. I saw great engagement, great virality. Suddenly, Amazon, Apple, Google Play, Twitter, uh, um, uh, Facebook, all down the line, in my opinion, got together with a wink and a nod and said, we've got to take this site down. They dumped them off the Amazon servers. They dumped them out of the Play Store and out of, IO, out of the iOS App Store. Um, that appears to me, and again, it's my opinion, that they worked together to do that. Is that legal in your opinion? I'm not sure that it should be. I, I, think, I think it maybe is right now, but, but here's the reality. We had a big debate at the FCC years ago. You may remember net neutrality. And the whole yes. idea there was that the, the Internet service provider, your ISP, your cable provider, had to be absolutely neutral. Um, it, it did a lot of other things. But that was the big debate is we don't want your Internet provider picking winners and looters, losers, uh, pulling the plug on certain websites because of its con- contact, well, right. con- content. But what ended up happening was a lot of those entities that were pushing for net neutrality are those same entities that are now pulling the plug. They are what we call up the stack. When it comes to the internet, it's not the ISP layer, but it's the cloud service provider, it's the app store provider. And so as we have this debate, as I'm sure we will again about net neutrality, I think we should have a debate about neutrality up and down the stack. I don't think we want an entity with a political agenda playing a key role in the infrastructure of the internet, of the way people get their message out, having carte blanche to just shut different speeches out. So I think if we're going to go down this path again, we should look at all those entities you mentioned and put some baseline level uh, of accountability there. Well, I don't know anything from anything, and you tell me that all the time off the air, but um, <laughs> aren't, aren't there antitrust laws? Aren't there anti-monopoly laws that would stop all of the gigantic tech people from saying Brendan Carr can't exist online or Parler can't compete with us? It appears to me they took out the competition, and I thought that was illegal. Yeah, look, I think there is an interesting question about collusion there, uh, unfair, deceptive business practices, and I think that's Bear to take a look at. And again, if, if discovery or FOIA requests or oversight shows that it was the government itself encouraging that behavior, then again, that circles us right back to the First Amendment. We, yes. the, first, the federal government cannot be pressuring these private entities to engage in this type of sensorial conduct. It is uh, Brendan Carr. He's an FCC commissioner. Let me ask you about what we're talking about today. Uh, and, and the big news of the day is that Corrine Jean-Pierre, the current press secretary, and Dr. Fauci, the NIH guy, who got a, a lot wrong, not my opinion, I can back all that up with fact when it comes to COVID, um, they were told had direct email correspondence with Facebook and other entities online telling them what to and what not to report or telling them what they said was disinformation and what was real information. And, and now these have been requested, uh, a court order has been made that you've got to show us the emails between the government and these big tech giants. What is the FCC doing about this? Are you guys on board with, of course we should all see how you guys were talking to the, these tech giants. Well, I think this is coming out of a, a FOIA-related litigation, yes. so I do think that should that should play out. But, you know, we're seeing this across the board. I mean, just recently, Mark Zuckerberg was on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, and he revealed that the federal government uh, had, had essentially either told them about the Hunter Biden laptop story or suggested uh, that it was part of some disinformation campaign. Right. Or uh, Mark Zuckerberg wasn't entirely clear, but I think that's more to the same thing, is how much communication has there been between different components of our federal government uh, and social media companies directed towards shutting down speech. There has been very little transparency about that. So I do think whether it's these emails or otherwise, we need to get more uh, information and get to the bottom of this. What about the the answer that people will often give? Hey, it's a private website. They can do whatever they want. 
I mean, Section 230 really does take that away. And as you said earlier, if you're working in conjunction with the government, you become a government entity, whether you're elected or not, and now you can't squelch my First Amendment right. And the reason I bring that up is Mark Zuckerberg basically said exactly what you said. The FBI got a hold of him and said, listen, there's about to be a Russian disinformation dump, something the FBI knew wasn't Russian disinformation. They knew that it was the Hunter Biden laptop. That's all been verified. Even the New York Times, for God's sakes, admits that it's his. And they told Zuckerberg, hey, be careful this. Rogan says, was that the Hunter Biden laptop? And Zuckerberg said, well, yeah, that's what it was. Now, you could still share it, but it didn't show up in any news feeds. On Twitter, they got rid of uh, the New York Post ability to even post on Twitter. And you and I, if I sent you a direct message, we follow each other on Twitter. I could not have sent you that news story. They literally stopped me from doing that. It just stinks. The whole thing smells like it's anti-freedom. I know that you and I are First Amendment guys. I'm with you. But for the ability to be there, for these entities to work hand-in-hand with the FBI, for God's sakes, and stop you and I or those who follow us from seeing a story we think is important, it's crazy. Is there nothing there? Yeah, I mean, look, in terms of the argument that these are private entities, they can do what they want. Two things there. One, you know, these websites have effectively become the digital town square. If you're going to participate in the public debate today, you got to be there. That's where the journalists are. That's where the government officials are. uh, That's where some really good, you know, radio personalities are. Uh, And we've had this before with cable channels in the 1990s. Congress decided that it was so important for broadcast TV to be on cable because that was the medium that you had to be on to survive. That They put some guardrails in place that said, cable companies, you don't have carte blanche to pick and choose what channels you can carry or not. We're going to put some guardrails on it. I think that's a precedent that we apply here. Yeah, they're private entities. But given the key role that they play in our public discourse, I think we can put some common sense pro-speech guardrails in place and limit the types of discretion they have when it comes to censorship. And second, as you noted where we started, the other reason why the argument that their private entities leave them alone doesn't carry water here is because of this uh, communication that's going back and forth that may in fact be jawboning uh, for purposes of the First Amendment. It's interesting because when once we find out from the – you keep saying FOIA. That's Freedom of Information Act uh, for those who are watching and listening. Um, when we find out what Fauci and Jean-Pierre may or may not have said to these social media giants – um, what's the recourse there? At, at that point, we'll know that they were serving as arms of the government. At that point, does that change the rules? Does that make 230 come up for debate immediately? What do you think the recourse is once we find out what these correspondents may or may not be? Uh, for me, when, if we find out they said this is this, and then we have correlating information that Zuckerberg or Dorsey or whomever did exactly what Fauci wanted, that's a problem. Yeah, well, one, if you are censored, then you can bring a cause of action uh, claiming a violation of your First Amendment rights, if those facts bear out that. The other point that you mentioned is that I think momentum will com- continue to build for fundamental Section 230 reform. I mean, just last week, uh, the Biden White House came out and said, we need Section 230 reform. And I sent out a tweet welcoming that. <laughs> uh, now, of course, I think they want a form of Section 230 that's going to be leading to more censorship, right. uh, not less. And so I put out my ideas for how we can reform 230 in a pro-speech way. But fundamentally, I think it's a good sign that we have Republicans and Democrats Biden White House, formerly the Trump White House, all saying the status quo of 230 isn't work. So let's open it up and have a fresh debate about the, the path forward. But the 230 isn't you know, a part of the Bible that came down like manna from heaven and can never be amended. So I think it's good 
the Republicans and Democrats both want to change it. Although, again, of course, different directions. Uh, last question for FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr. Go follow him on uh, on on Twitter. It's at Brendan Carr FCC. Might be at Brendan Carr USA elsewhere, but find him. And he's a great follow. He he doesn't take any garbage from the CCP, which I love. <laughs> um, I, I've got to ask you one last question, and it's um the the current president going out and saying mega Republicans are bad. They're evil. They're angry. They're uh, they're terrorists. They're 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 no good. They they're they're against democracy. And Trump, when he was in office said you know the the fake news media is the enemy of the state or something like that when they say things like that and almost immediately they it trends and with biden much more than trump because they got rid of trump which i think was illegal but it's for another for another uh, interview when biden goes out and says that that night you've got 18 billion um people talking about exactly what biden did if we find out the white house gave the high sign to all of their friends in the media or on social media to do that Again, does that take us down the road of, okay, you're in fact now a government agency? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a very factual, specific inquiry. But yeah, I mean, if there is sufficient pressure from the government um, on these social media companies or otherwise, then yeah, there's a very clear line of Supreme Court, First Amendment precedent that would restrain it. But at this point, you know, the information we have, it, it could cut either way, depending on the rest of the facts that are to come out still. I'm glad that we're talking about this because I think people sometimes think that social media is just there. You and I know that it's actually setting the 24-hour news cycle. It's actually squelching some news stories and pushing other news stories to make people believe this is more true than that happens to be. And I really went in, again, naive and blind, and said, man, this is cool. I can post my stuff and people who follow me will see it. And that's not really the way that it's working out. So thank you for continuing to work on this. Anything about the CCB? Anybody threaten your life from China today? <laughs> Anything like that recently? Because they, they, they go after you all the time because you're telling the truth. Yeah, I do get a lot of that, that, that stuff, but we're going to keep working on it. You know, TikTok obviously has been our most recent issue. Uh, very, very concerned about that application. I think it's just uh, functions as a, as a foreign surveillance tool with all the data it yeah. sweeps up. But the good news is we're seeing a lot of momentum. There was just a new bill introduced in Congress uh, looking to ban TikTok, at least from government devices. So I think the tide is going out. Good. on TikTok, and, and that's a good thing. Yeah, you know, I, I had 130,000 followers on TikTok that I gained in just four months of being on the site. I deleted it completely, got rid of it completely because I, I looked into it more because of what you've told me. And yeah, they're even they're even checking your keystrokes on your device. I just got rid of it. I don't want that to be on my device. So very good yep. advice from you. Brendan, thanks a million for coming on. Come back soon. Thanks, glad to do it. All right, brother, we're back after this. Stay right here. Don't be an A-Dub. Stay with the Joe Pag Show. Always great to catch up with Brendan Carr, FCC Commissioner. Yes, he's on the FCC right now. And it's interesting to hear about how the social media giants, big tech giants, do straddle that fence. And if these emails, if this correspondence from the current administration to big tech are basically directives, and then you could tie it together, it's me speaking now, not Brendan, then you could tie it together and you can see the dateline as to when things were trending and when things were being pushed and when things were being squelched. Now you've got a government entity instead of a private social media outlet. And if that's the case, they can't squelch our free speech. This is a really big deal. So this case is going to be interesting to see when that correspondence is turned over exactly what they were saying compared to what we know to be true now that more research and more studies are out when it comes to COVID, when it comes to just about anything. 
So very interesting. If you missed any part of that, just go to JoePags.com, click on the Rumble link tonight, way after the show. I'll make sure that I post it up there for everybody to go and watch it. All right, another big hour coming your way. Keep it here on the Joe Pags Show. This is the Joe Pags Show.